Welcome to the vessel. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. It's all about you. Hey, folks, my friends, welcome to the vessel. Once again, we are here. Praise God. Glory to God. Somebody listening right now, just give God praise. And I believe that this will bless you. And I thank you for tuning in today. But remember, it's all about him. It is not about me at all. It's entirely about giving God glory doing what he's called me to do, and that's why we're here. And so, Father, we worship you, God. We thank you for this opportunity once again, Lord. I thank you for every listener, God, whenever they might be listening on whatever podcast platform they might be listening on. God, that makes no difference, Lord. I pray right now a special blessing on their lives, God, as only you can do it, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that every word that I say would be the words that you would have me to say and nothing of my own. Lord, may I not for one second try to take any credit because you deserve it all, Lord. It's not about me. Apart from you, I am nothing. Lord, none of me and all of you, Lord, I pray you'd quicken what I have to say to the folks who are listening, God, that, that every ear would, would hear, every heart would receive, every mind would understand, and Lord, that this entire time would be completely uninterrupted and uninhibited by any, uninhibited by any demonic or satanic forces, God, but that it would be entirely to your glory, that people would receive and that they would, would put this into practice so that they too can receive the blessings just as my family and I do, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I love you and I praise you, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Oh, glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are uh, a spirit-filled, you know, uh, when, when, and, and, and this is, you know, this may be something new. I, You know, I get into this and I'm worshiping and praying because, you know, God inhabits, the word says, God inhabits the praises of his people. Or as another preacher put it one time, when we pray, we enter into God's presence. But when we praise and worship, he enters into ours. Praise God. Glory to God. I like that. Don't you love that? And, you know, I'm praising and I'm worshiping and I'm speaking in tongues sometimes. I'm, I'm doing that because God is so awesome. And I, I just, I, you know, it's a, for me, it's such a powerful thing. And maybe you don't know what that's all about. And we're going to talk about that as one of the many things we delve into this year in 2020. So just keep that in mind. You ever hear what that is? That's a, that's a little bit of a, a taste of that. Now, I would like to talk to you today about authority. But we're going to revisit authority. Today you're going to have, like, we'll call it Authority 101. And then in a few weeks or a month or two, we're going to come back to it from a more advanced perspective as we've continued to study the Word of God as we've grown, as we've done all of those things, we're going to, we're going to come at the next part of this, okay? So I need you to stick with me because this is a two-parter, but the parts will be separated by other things. 
And, and I want to talk about authority with you today as God is leading me to do that because everything else that we then talk about is going to build upon this foundation. And what I want you to understand today is actually rather simple, but it's a, it's a truth that I think is, well, it's really not what I think. It's what God has told me needs to be in this part of the, the Vessel podcast. So welcome. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you are having an awesome and blessed day in the Lord, I hope your year of 2020 so far has been as amazing and awesome and wonderful as mine has been and will continue to be. And I know that and I believe that and I receive that for you as well as for us on, uh, by faith in Jesus' name. Now, we believe we receive and those are powerful words. Those are Bible words, okay? Those are words that God has instructed us. You know, when God says something, my friends, it can be taken as truth. He's not... We've talked about this before, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews uh, 13, 8. Um, in Malachi, he says, I'm the Lord and I do not change. Um, you know, God is not confused about what he says, okay? And what he says, he means, or he wouldn't have put it in the book, okay? So you, you always want to keep that in mind. And when God says something, um, we, we sometimes refer to this as the law of first mention, that, you know, when it's mentioned first it will continue to be true all throughout Scripture. This is very important because you will see things that will challenge your way of thinking if you are used to thinking in the natural mind, okay? And we've talked about that before, but you will, you will see these things that will, will challenge you a little bit. And I pray that God would make them so real to you that you don't have any issue at all believing and receiving. Now, we are talking because God, when he says something, it is, it, it, he tells us to do something that can be taken as a command, all right? So, what he is, uh, what he is telling us, and, and, I, and the main, re, main reason that I uh, brought that up right now is because God Stop. has told us some things which we are to do, and one of these things that he has actually told us. Uh, well, well, let me put it this way. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. When he said to us to have faith, have faith in God, which we'll read in, in future uh, uh, podcast episodes, and when he said to us, that we are to lean not on our own understanding, trust in the Lord with all our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, to not be wise in our own eyes. These are things he's actually instructing us to do. These are not just nice stories. These are things that we are to do. Believe that you'll receive it and you'll have it. These are things we're asked to do. We're being, we're being commanded, in a sense, really, to do these things. I want to talk to you about the concept... Of authority, and I want us to take a look in the ever living Word of God, amen. The Bible, it is alive and well, it is fresh, it is quick and powerful. Glory to God, it is strong, it is sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even under the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrows, judging the thoughts and intents of the heart, inspired by the Holy Spirit of the living God, useful for teaching and correction, doctrine and reproof, instruction and right in righteousness. Showing us what's wrong in our lives so that we, the men and women of God, 
may be perfect, lacking nothing in him. Amen. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is the sword of the spirit. It is one of the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, but which are spiritual, even to the pulling down of strongholds. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And I pray that you'll help us to understand it, make it come alive in us. Even right now, a headache is being healed as we're, as we're teaching and as we're preaching and as we're talking. Even a headache right at this very moment cannot stand against the awesome power of God. And we receive the healing in Jesus' name. If you're out there with a headache right now, receive that with me. Praise God. Now shout. Give a shout of praise to God somewhere right now. God loves you that much and so much more than, than even than we'll ever be able to put into words and that you'll ever know. No eye has seen, no heart could know the, the fullness, the depths of it. And you know what? It's just amazing. <laughs> Praise God. Glory be to God. Praise Jesus. Now, Lord, I know you'll help us to, uh, to understand your word, make it come alive in us, so that we may be the people that you want us to be. That we may have, do, and say what you want us to have, do, and say. That we may experience, decide, and enjoy the things you want us to experience, decide, and enjoy. That we may live the lives you've called us to live, being who and what you have created us to be. In Jesus' name. Turn with me in the Bible to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, where he says in the King James Version, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't say that. He says, then God, and God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to use the the uh, the device that I have here. Praise God! Uh, thank God for awesome technology. You know that is so cool. Glory to God! I've got my Apple AirPods right here, a gift from God, truly. You know because everything we have is His, but He's given it to us. It's a gift from Him. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from from, from the Father of Lights. Um, is from above and comes down from the Father of Lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I was trying to read this with the screen reader voiceover, which is another awesome, wonderful gift from God. Praise the Lord. You know, God's going to restore my eyesight. New eyes are already growing in the back of my head. I don't know how long it takes for that to happen, but it is happening. Praise God. I'm receiving it and it will happen. It already has been done. I just I just need to, to get hold of that and I will. Praise the Lord. And you'll hear about it. You just keep watching and keep listening. But in the interim, um, until that uh, is realized, you know, I, I am totally blind and I do listen to what I'm reading and I was having to try and say, I don't want to have this too loud so that everybody has to hear the voiceover speech and <laughs> the screen reader. And uh, God said to me, you know, put your AirPods in, praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. So, all right, now back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26. And for the moment, I'm reading in the King James Version. We may look at this in, in other versions as well, but this is in the KJV. And it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, I want to pause right there, my friends, because we need to, to really look at what we have just read. I don't know... If you can grasp, and I pray that God, just divine revelation would take hold here because we can't grasp in the natural mind. When God created us, all right, we were given this, first of all, we were created in his image, in his likeness. We were created to be like 
him. We were created to be like God. The Kamash Bible in Genesis chapter 2, when it describes the detailed account of creation and when God took some, some dust from the ground and breathed it into the night, you know, it, it says that then man became another living, speaking spirit like God. One of the lies of the enemy, you remember, we talked about very, very early on was that uh, in the Garden of Eden, if you look at the temptation, he says, you know, look, uh, Eve, you should eat this fruit. God didn't really say you couldn't, you, 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 you could use, you could have any of these trees. And she said, well, except this one, you know, and we already talked about how she already messed it up because she said we weren't supposed to even touch it. Well, that wasn't what he said. But, but he said, well, you, you, you're not going to die if you eat this thing. He said, you know, God knows that you eat this and you're going to be like him. And I told you before, that was the robbery moment, right? That's the moment when everything was, was taken. He's setting them up because they were already like God. You could not get any more like God than Adam and Eve were already. And it was right here in verse 26 of, of the first chapter of Genesis. Let us create man. And you understand also that this is man, the species not men and women. He, he, he created men and women. He created man, male and female man. Do you understand that, my friends? So that there's no discrepancy or, um, you know, nobody's thinking that, you know, we're, we're trying to be uh, treating different genders unequally here. Okay? Yeah, but he says we created, so God created Man, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So that's the first part we need to put to rest. We need to understand that and accept that. The second part is that we've been given authority. We've been given dominion over all these different things. The fowl, the birds, the, the, the fish, the, you know, the... Authority means the right to command. And you remember that because we're going to come back to that in a few weeks. Take some notes if you feel like it. Authority means the right to command. Now, I want us to go on, and I want us to go to verse number 28. And it says that God blessed them. Now, this is the man that he created, the, 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 the species. God blessed them. Verse number 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them. Now, here's what he's commanded, okay? Here's what he has said. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, listen to this. You are talking about what we have been asked to do. Subdue the earth and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Have dominion. Subdue the earth. Replenish it. Subdue it. Subdue it. All right. I want to uh, jump to a different translation for us. And we will use... Uh, what shall we use? We'll use the... Oh, let's see. Do we want to use, uh, oh, we'll use the ERV, okay? We're going to use the easy read version, and I want us to hear it. So here's verse number uh, 26 in the easy easy read version, and, and this is cool. I like this. He's, he's, uh, in verse 26, he says, then God said, now let's make humans who will be like us. They will rule over all the fish of the sea and the birds in the air. They will rule over all the large animals and all the little things that crawl on the earth. And if you look at verse 28, it reads it this way. God blessed them and said to them, Have many children, fill the earth, and take control of it. Take 
control of it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. Rule over every living thing that moves on the earth. Rule over it. Take control. You hear that, my friends? That is authority. And I'm going to take you to the amplified classic version to hear verse number uh, 28, where it says, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. All right, we were designed from day one by our Creator to have authority. This is a very difficult concept for some people to accept. Some people, you say this and you think you were, you know, just being totally heathenistic. I mean, they want to they wanna cast that down. They, they do. And that is, unfortunately, what happens when you uh, allow religion to take over where this should really be a relationship, okay? You've got to know in your heart, you've got to accept this because the devil does not want you to have this truth. This truth is foundational, my friends. It really is foundational. And the reason I can say that with such confidence is because God is putting these words in my mouth, in my, in my heart, in my spirit, and allowing me to say them as it is that I'm saying them to you because I had a very different podcast episode in mind when I began recording this evening. But this is what he said. And he is saying, praise God, these, these, this truth is foundational. If you cannot accept this, you're not going to be able to accept anything else. You want to have health and healing, healing and health, prosperity and wealth. You want to have safety, peace, joy. You want to have all of these things. You're not going to get them if you can't accept that man was created to have authority. Now, let me give you a little bit of a practical, um, to, to, to make this very real to you here, let's make this, uh, let's make this very real. Let's, uh, let's suppose that I am the CEO of a company, okay, and while being the CEO, I decide that I need to have managers who oversee individual branch offices throughout the country. And I put them in charge of those departments or those offices. And I say, folks, you are the managers at these office, offices. Whatever you say goes. Whatever you say goes. Whatever you do, I will back you here at corporate. Okay. Now, there are some guidelines that I set in place. Okay. If I'm making a, um, a, you know, if I have a company that, that makes products, I'm going to always be overseeing the, 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 the and, and directing really, not just overseeing, but directing the creation of those products and what goes into those products, whether they be foods or technology or anything else, you know, whatever it is that we do, I have established or helped to establish because you know, God is the one who established it. We're not God, okay? Don't be confused. I never said we were God, all right? Don't you say that I did. <laughs> uh, but, so, it's maybe a little different, but 
Anyway, it is. I, I still have a key role in establishing the policies, creating the policies that govern the company. But now, within those boundaries which I have set, within the terms and conditions that I have defined as acceptable, the managers that I appoint now have the say. And whatever they say within those, within those confines, whatever they say, I honor it. I support it. I back it. And if they make a decision, that decision is the decision of the, of the company. You understand? And if, now, because we're, we're earthly beings and we're humans, sometimes we, we make mistakes and, and we do things, but even then God has to honor his word. So sometimes what happens is God honors his word and it doesn't, it's not what you wanted, but God had to honor his word. You know, the, Egypt, uh, the, the Israelites heading out of Egypt ended up, the, f- the first generation that left Egypt ended up dying in the desert. They never did make it to the promised land. God had the promised land there for them. They were supposed to go up and take hold of it to possess it, and they wouldn't do it. And all they kept doing was complaining and, and, and whining, and oh, we're going to die in the desert. Oh, we're going to die in the and, and they said it so much, they believed it, and they said it. They had no faith in God. They did not trust the one who brought them out of Egypt already with signs and wonders. A million reasons they had to trust him and they didn't do it. And God had no choice but to honor. They're in covenant. We're going to talk more about covenant in the coming weeks. They're in covenant. And he had no choice. He said, fine, you know what? You will die in the desert because what you have said will be done. It's not my plan for you. It's not what my will is, but that's where we are now because I will keep true to my word. And so these kinds of things happen, okay? But we're going to talk about all that in future episodes. That's not all for today. Right now, all I want you to understand is the basic concept of authority. So ultimately, it's the CEO. It's the head of the company. All the credit still has to go back there. You know, I give the example of one of my favorite companies. I talked about the AirPods earlier today, Apple, Apple Incorporated. I have all kinds of Apple products, praise God. I'm not bragging. I'm just being truthful and I'm giving glory to God. We got iPhone, iPad, um, Apple TV, HomePod, Apple Watch, you know, all really awesome products. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. They're, they're really good. Now, if I go to an Apple store, the Apple store employee has the ability to decide, am I going to honor your request? Maybe I need a, some sort of a replacement of a battery. Am I going to honor this battery replacement under the terms of, um, you know, this or that? Or, or am I going to charge this person? Or, you know, the pricing that we have. What, you know, all of this stuff that whatever it is, and a lot of that is set by the corporate but whenever the person sees me at the Apple store, that man or woman has the authority to approve the warranty repairs. That man or woman has the authority to help me set up my device, and they can do a really excellent job. But ultimately, they did not invent the iPhone. They did not invent the iPad. They did not invent the Mac, the Apple TV, the HomePod. So that goes back to corporate. So you see, there is a head over all of this. And that, of course, is God. That, of course, is God. Without question, he is the creator. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There is none like him. And there never will be anyone else like him. That's him. But he gave us authority within these boundaries to operate on earth. And we are the ones who are to take control of it, to subdue it, and to use every resource. That's what it said in Amplified Classic, AMPC. Now, 
There is a problem, though, okay? There is a problem, and that is when Adam and Eve sinned against God, they basically destroyed and gave away what they had been given. They gave it away to who? And you know the answer to that. You see, when Satan came, he wanted to steal. He wanted to kill. He wanted to destroy. He's a thief. And, and they gave away to him the authority. That's why he is referred to multiple times in Scripture as the God of this world, as the ruler of this world. And even when he tempted Jesus in the desert, he said to Jesus, you want a kingdom? I will give you the kingdom because all of this is mine. Whoever I choose to give it to, I can give it to. And you know what? About that particular thing, he was telling at least part of the truth, as he often does tell part of the truth. You see, you've got to understand that man willingly gave up that authority and gave it to the devil. But that's why we have the issues that we have in this world. That is the reason you have the things you have in this world. You know, God said that he, um, because I love this. this, this is a really good, you know, we see the things in the world and we think that, well, God created the world, so everything in the world is, has been created by God. Well, here's what has happened. Everything in the world was created by God, but when, when man willingly gave authority over to the devil, it became, a lot of it became corrupt, and a lot of it became used for things that, that weren't intended to be used for. Now, let me give you an example. God creates weather, okay? And God created rain and snow, and he, he talks about that in some, um, is it some? Or is it Isaiah? No, I think it's Isaiah. Let me, let me take a look here. Uh, I don't want to give you the wrong information. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. It is. It's Isaiah 55. I, yeah, thank you, Lord. Praise God. All right. in, in, in Isaiah 55, verse number 10, he says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven... For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not without watering the earth. Okay, so what he's saying here is that just as the rain and the snow ultimately produce life, that is what happens. They produce life that is, is born out of the soil, out of the ground, in the in the uh, in the in the King James, it it's um, it's actually uh, return is not thither. In other words, return not to heaven. They don't return to heaven without doing this. But it says, but water the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud. It's springing forth the life. Okay that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, all right? That is what the purpose of the rain and the snow are. Now, you know, some people really like snow, and I like it a little, 
at times. <laughs> praise God. God, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it, it, it is. It's an awesome thing to see the snow. And, and I'm just being a little bit carnal when I say I like it sometimes. But it is. It's a beautiful thing. And my kids love playing with it. And that's one of my favorite things about it is to go outside and play with the kids. I, I like to go down the driveway on a saucer sled. And, you know, we have a lot of fun. We build snowmen out there. Goodness gracious, praise God. We come in. We have, you know, hot chocolate and and so on, and it's great. Now, thank God, you know, we're almost through winter this year. God has told me it's going to be a short winter, and I know that's true because I believe him. All right, but there is, you know, snow's nice, and then there's rain, and rain is, rain is gentle and beautiful and all of these things. So when you see this, you remember what he said. So let's put it into uh, something that's a little bit easier maybe to, to read, and that is going to be, again, our, we'll go back to... Uh, the uh, easy to read or easy read. And, and it says here in this version, rain and snow fall from the sky and don't return until they have watered the ground. Rain and snow fall from the sky and don't return until they have watered the ground. Then the ground causes the plants to sprout and grow, and they produce seeds for the farmer and food for people to eat. That's what happens. So in other words, the rain and snow come, and they do not do it in vain. They don't return without first watering the ground, causing new life to spring forth, producing the seeds for the, harvest, for the, for the sower and the, the bread for the eater, and it says, just as all this happens, and this is where we see this beautiful reminder in verse 11, so shall my word be that, that goes forth from my mouth, God says, that it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So he's using the two and comparing them and, and, and drawing uh, an analogy here. And what I want you to see today both parts are important, right? Okay, we, it's important we remember that about his word. But the first part is what I want you to see today, that the rain and the snow, that's their purpose. That's what they're designed to do. That is what they're designed to do. Now, let's get a... Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to even talk about this because it's negative and it's not what ought to be in our minds. But reality check, you know, some people are going, oh, my goodness, you're talking about the rain being gentle. And I lived through Hurricane Katrina. You know, you, where are you at? Lord God, man, how are you talking about? You know, you're crazy. This rain destroyed us. It destroyed our homes. It destroyed our, you're saying to me, and, or, or the snow, you know, and you have all kinds of bad stuff that happens because of the snow. Here's what I want you to understand. God did not create that. God did not intend for that. That is not part of God's will. Things happen in this world, my friends, that are not God's will. And if you don't believe me, you need to study the word a little bit and pray about it because I'm telling you, my friends, things happen in this world that are not the will of God. Oh, God is in control, whatever God, whatever. No, 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 my friends, yeah. God's in control of certain things. Other things we're in control of. And God's not in control the way that you think that he is. You see things happen. My friends, that is not God's will. Otherwise... Every person would be saved because he said it's not God's will that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why don't people? Because we have free will. Because God doesn't go where he's not invited. See, Satan forces his way in or tries to. We can prevent that. 
Okay, we're going to get to that in a second. But God is in our lives by invitation. And he moves in our lives by invitation. And he moves through his people. God can do anything that he wants to do. Don't misunderstand me. A lot of people take issue with what I'm saying to you here today because they say, well, you know God can do anything he wants. Yes, I do. I'm not questioning the fact that God can do anything that he wants to do. If God right now wanted to sprout a cherry tree here in the middle of my living room, he could do it. He could do it. But here's the thing. God won't do anything that goes against his word. He will not do something that you're supposed to do. He will not when he has told you in his word that it's yours to do. Why? Because he's not a liar. Because he is true to his word 100% of the time. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you'll be able to grasp this concept. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for that Holy Spirit-inspired uh, word. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so, my friends, the authority man willingly gave to the devil... But here's the good news. When Jesus died on the cross, he got all of that back. You can look in Matthew chapter 28, near the end, right around verse 19, where he tells everybody to, where he tells them to go into the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says here, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over sometimes maybe a little bit of the power of the enemy when I feel like it. No, not what it says. Go to Luke ten nineteen. You see it for yourself. I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And sometimes you're going to get hurt, but if you're hurt, I'm with you. No, that's not what he said. We'd like to make stuff up just to rationalize what happens in lives because it sometimes happens. You've got to remember your life is not the basis for the Word of God. The Word of God is the basis for your life. If it doesn't always play out the way that, that the Word says it, well, that's on you. It's not on Him. Praise God. Now, I'm not criticizing anybody. Please don't, 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 don't misunderstand and shut me down and you say, no, he's, he's, con he's condemning me. No. Condemnation is not coming from God, and I'm not saying anything to condemn you. If you're feeling that, you need to rebuke that in the name of Jesus, because, my friends, God loves you, and there is no condemnation, the Bible says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are to love, and God loves, and God loves people, and God loves people even while we were sinners, he loved us, and even now when we make mistakes, he still loves us, okay? God loves you. God does not want to condemn you. So don't hear that in what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but please realize... Just because your life maybe hasn't played out according to the word of God does not mean that, you are, that, 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 it, that the word of God doesn't really say what it says, okay? So, nothing shall by any means hurt you is what he says in Luke ten nineteen. We take it down a notch and we say, well, if, if you're hurt, okay, that is true. If we are hurting, he's with us. He's always with us. He is always with us 100% of the time. Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You can go through things and trust that God is with you every second of the way. He will never leave you nor forsake you, it says in Deuteronomy. He is with us always, it says in Matthew 28. 
no matter what you have gone through or are going through right now, he is with you. But here's what I want you to see is what God's ideal is. What I want you to see is that God's ideal is that you not even be touched by that stuff. It's all around you in the world, but it doesn't have to touch you. Psalm 91, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. New century version says at your side, 1,000 people may die or even 10,000 right beside you, but you will not be hurt. Move on to verse number 10. Nothing bad will happen to you. No disaster will come to your home. He didn't say when disaster strikes, I'm going to get you through it. He said no disaster will come to your home. You cannot take stuff out of the word that he put in it. Now, he does say later on, verse uh, 15, I think, or 16 of Psalm 91, I will be with them in trouble. Meaning, if there is trouble, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to be with you. Which is the same thing he's saying in Psalm 23. Look, in this world, sometimes there are things that happen to people. And if you're one of those people and things do happen to you, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter whether it was your own goofiness that caused it to happen. I'm going to be with you anyway. I'm going to get you through it. And you are, in the end, victorious. I love you anyway. (laughs) Praise God. Thank you, Lord. But here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the ideal. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Back to Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Not some things. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. What I need you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is that he has defeated the devil. When he breathed his last on that cross and said, it is finished, he was not lying. And that's why in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us by glory and virtue, he is not lying again. I mean, once again, he's not lying. He never lies. <laughs> once again, he's telling the truth, right? He's not confused He's not over-dramatizing something just for a good read. No, this is what he means. What he says is what he will do. He will honor his word. He does not change. He is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he not said it and will he not do it? Hath he not spoken it and will he not make it good? It is the will of God that you live in divine, perpetual blessing, health, prosperity, safety, protection, joy, peace, all of these things. There are a lot of reasons why sometimes people don't. You may be one of those people right now. I have in the past been one of those people. And praise God, he was with me even through it and got me through it. And I'm living in victory, praise God. And I believe I receive the continuation of the victory in Jesus' name. And I believe I receive that for you as well, my friends. I receive it on your behalf in Jesus' name. And I pray that God would make it so real to you that you will believe it and receive it by faith in Jesus' name. But sometimes in the world, there are these things that happen. And there are reasons why they do. And in future uh, podcast episodes, we will talk about some of those. We will explain why sometimes that happens. We will talk about, you know, why is it that it, 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 it sometimes goes this way or that way. But what I want you to see today is that that's not God's ideal. That's not God's will. It is not God's intention for you to suffer 
And more directly related to what we started talking about today is that you have the authority. Jesus won, and we win because we're in him. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You want to know what the curse of the law is? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 28 and read the part about the blessings and read the part about the curses. Let me give you something else if you're writing them down and taking notes. Don't be surprised by the bad stuff around you because Satan will use that surprise to take your focus off of Christ. Now, I know that was a little long. Let me say it again. Don't be surprised when, the bad, when you see the bad stuff happening around you because Satan will use the element of surprise as a way to distract you, as a way to take your eyes, your focus off of Jesus. And we will see that in Scripture in future episodes of this podcast. We will talk about Peter in the boat. We will talk about other examples my friends, the surprise is one of his greatest weapons because what he needs to do is to get you to change your mind. Do you understand that, my friends? He needs to get us to change our mind. That's the attack. I've heard people say, I'm going through a terrible attack of the enemy. Well, what is it? Well, I got cancer all through my body. My friend, I'm afraid, and I love you, and God loves you. I'm afraid you are far beyond the attack. You are far beyond the attack. The attack already happened, and you succumb. Now, it doesn't mean that all is lost, because by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you were healed. He is the Lord who healeth you, and you can receive that healing by faith in Jesus' name in every bit of that cancer can go away, has to retreat, has to leave your body in Jesus' name, and every ounce, every fiber, uh, every inch of your being can be healthy once again. And if your faith is not at that point, there are doctors, and those doctors can do amazing things by the power of God and by his hand, and glory to God, he still gets the glory anyway. Those doctors might have the answers for you that you need. Okay? So, all is not lost, but I want you to understand that by the time you see it play out that way, thank you, Lord, for bringing this up, you're past the attack. The attack already happened. And Satan got in. The attack is not the, the, the bad thing. The attack is what leads up to it. And the first stage of an attack, of an offensive, oftentimes... Praise God. I didn't know I was going to say half of this stuff. I listened to this podcast myself. Praise God. I'm preaching myself happy here, folks. Great glory to God. It's all you, Lord. Not me at all. I'm not bragging, my friends. This is, this is going to bless you because it's blessing me. Praise God. Now, listen to me. The first offensive often is, not always, because Satan will try every tactic he possibly can, but one of the most common first offenses is indeed the, the element of surprise. And it's a good strategy because it works. I'm not giving praise to Satan by any means. He's a, he's a, he's a horrible, evil being who is, is going he's gonna to spend his life in hell. 
and he's already been defeated. We just need to enforce that defeat because he, he's a thief, okay? But the strategy works. You're going all around talking about believing for, receiving health and healing from God, and then you read something in the news like, new virus, corona, has now killed hundreds of people. Deadlier outbreak than SARS. That's what they said. That is what they said. Are they lying to you? Now, sometimes the media lies to us. But are they lying to us? Probably not. Probably per, you know, the number of people in the number of time, whatever actuarial study they're using to base that upon, it probably is more deadly than SARS. I don't know. You see that stuff. And it shocks you. And now your eye your eyes are on the thing, the circumstance, the situation, the storm, and they're not on Jesus anymore. I was going to wait to bring this up, and I've probably brought it up before, but God's telling me to go for it, and I'm going to say it, and I'm sure I'm going to talk about it again. Praise God. I am going to bring it up again. I am in future episodes. He just confirmed that, but we're going to do it today anyway. You remember Peter in the boat, okay? Peter was in the boat, and he sees Jesus. And he, at first, has a bit of a hesitation as to who it is. And he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And I really, really believe, you know, Peter, look, I'm not criticizing Peter. I, Peter did what he did. Peter is a man of God. Peter is blessed by God. God loved Peter. And, and I've done way worse things than Peter has. I guarantee it. But it's not a competition. We don't compare ourselves amongst ourselves. God has forgiven me too. Praise God. And God is merciful. He loves me. And I, I'm his most prized possession, as we all are. I don't question that. But I'm just telling you that I have no business criticizing Peter. But I'm going to say a simple fact. Peter sometimes made decisions that got him into trouble. And I believe that already the situation was dicey. He's out there in the middle of the water and... It might be dark out, and it's, it's, maybe he can tell that a storm is brewing. You know, people know when this stuff is coming. You can smell it in the air. You can feel it. You can sense it. You, maybe you can see it. And he's probably, at the very least, on guard. I don't know if he's scared, but at the very least, he's on edge. He's on, you know, and I believe with everything in me that he, you know, this is not scripture. This is just me. But I really believe that when he said, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water, I believe he did not expect the response that he got from Jesus. I believe he expected just a loving rebuke. Oh, Peter, you know you don't need to do that. And God loves God loved Peter so much, but God knows that he's given to him. See, the Bible tells us that to each of us has been given the measure of faith. I don't have more faith than you do. Okay? We have the same measure of faith. Now, there is special faith for certain circumstances. That's a gift of the Spirit. But we all have the same measure of faith. It's just a matter of what you do with it. It's a matter of how you use it. Every baby is born with the same bones and the same muscles. It's what you do with them that counts that makes the difference, that determines the outcome. And Peter had this faith, and God knew it. And Jesus said, all right, come. You wanna, that's the way you want to work. See, God will work with you on your level. Write that down if you're writing things down. God will work with you on your level. God will meet you where you are, and he will work with you on your level. So you can hear the voice of God, and he will talk to you in the way that you need to be talked to. 
And Peter said, this is what I want. If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, okay, come. You can do it. Go ahead. Come on. Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water, praise God. All of a sudden, the wind picks up. Some translations call it a, a hurricane, a gust of wind, whatever. Now, what does Peter do? He looks at the storm. Why is that so important? That is far more important than you realize. I've heard it watered down. I've heard it simplified by some people. Oh, you know, yeah, he took his eyes off of Jesus. We should always keep our eyes on Jesus, they say. And it's empty words, meaning, yeah, we should always pray. We should always thank God. We should always keep God first place in our lives. No, listen to me. He took his eyes off Jesus. That is a different level than what you're talking about. The word of God has to be, write this down. The word of God must be the final authority in your life. The word of God must be the final authority in your life. And that is the written word of God, the, 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 the logos, and that is the rhema, the spoken word of God, neither of which will ever contradict each other. They will always enhance. And you, you've really got to read the word of God and pray that God quicken it to you and then his spirit will start speaking to you in divine revelation. And it's amazing. Praise God. Glory be to Jesus. The word of God must be the final authority in your life. So when you see the storm and the doctor says to you, your body is full of cancer, you have two choices. You can accept what you've been told or you can believe what God's word says because God's word is the only thing you can ever count on. So are you saying then there's no cancer in my body? No, that's not what I said. I don't deny that the doctor's right about the fact that there's cancer in your body. I'm not going to lie, brother. I'm not going to say I'm healthy when I'm sick. I'm not either. I'm not telling you to lie. I'm not denying you're sick. What I'm saying is if you stop believing in the sickness and start believing in the word healed, then the word healed is going to take hold in your life and you are going to become the healed. You're going to have what you say. We, we're going to talk about more of this in the coming weeks. All right, this is not it. We're gonna, you're going to hear a lot of this over and over and over because God says certain things bear repeating. God told me at the beginning of this year, brother, he got, God said to me, he said, son, he said, you are a faith preacher. That's what God said to me. I'm going to be sharing some messages with our, our church uh, here in our hometown. Praise God for an awesome and wonderful church and a wonderful pastor and great family and friends at the, at the North Spring Christian Church. If you're ever in the area, give us a, uh, a visit. Um, but I'm going to be sharing some, some messages in a couple of months and going to be about faith. And I asked God just to make sure because this is a group of people that knows about faith. I said, is this really what you want me to preach, Lord? He said, son, you are a faith preacher, and that is exactly what I want you to do. So you're going to be hearing a lot about this in the coming weeks because certain things bear repeating. But I'm telling you right now, the doctor diagnosing you with cancer, that's going to surprise you. That's going to shock you. That's going to take your eyes off of Jesus. But there were probably attacks sooner than that. There were probably attempts to get in. There had to be. Because it takes a while for Satan to line things up in such a way that those evil works come to be. And what you experience is a product of other factors along the way. 
We've talked about that. Keep your heart with all uh, diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Okay? So this is a product of a lot of things leading up to it. Do not, I want to say it again. Do not be surprised when you see the bad stuff around you. I cannot emphasize this enough because no matter how much I emphasize it, you're going to walk away hearing it. You might even walk away believing it. But at some point, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not even this year, maybe all of 2020, this won't happen for you, praise God. But at some point in your life, you're going to hear it. Again, that doesn't mean it happens to you. I'm not a valley preacher. I refuse to be because God told me not to be. He said, don't prepare people for the valleys. Teach them how to stay out of the valleys, how to avoid them. He said, I don't want them in the valleys. So I'm not a valley preacher, okay? I'm not saying to you, you are going to experience bad things. What I'm saying to you is you will, and this I can say with certainty, you will see them around you because that is the fallen world that we live in. And that used to be a major problem for me. And I admit sometimes in the flesh it still is. And I've got to take that captive to the obedience of Christ. Praise God, I'm making incredible progress, such progress, glory to God. But I'm a work in progress and I always will be as long as I'm on this earth. But praise God for his mercy, his grace, his patience, his love. You know, you're going to see the bad stuff. It's a fallen world we live in and you are not going to be able to stop all of the bad stuff from happening in the world. Can't do it. We live in a fallen world. And that fallen world is going to have bad things happen in it. And that is exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to see those bad things happening. You're going to see them. You can't avoid it. We live in the world. All right? <laughs> you can go for really, really long periods of time without seeing them. And that, my friends, is indeed the, the mercy and the grace of God also because he's shielding you from even seeing it. But at some point, it's not that he stops shielding you. It's not that he's not powerful enough to shield you. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's that you have to continue to grow because you are in this world to make a difference, to be an ambassador for Christ. Your life is designed to be, our lives are designed to be living epistles for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if we're going to do that, that means we have to get involved because there's so many problems in this world. So if you're not seeing them ever, then you're not doing what you're called to do, okay? In order for you to lead people to the Lord, you're going to have to see sinners who are not living for God. Some of them might be mean. Some of them might have addictions. You have to see them. I didn't say you had to act like them. I didn't say you have to condone what they do. I didn't say you have to agree with what they do. I said, you're going to see them. God said, these signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Guess what? If you're going to lay hands on the sick, that means you're going to see sickness. I didn't say you're going to have sickness. I didn't say you're going to experience sickness in your body. I said, you're going to see sickness around you at some point. It may not happen yet. You're going to grow as you grow. And, and God is very merciful. <laughs> I, I, that, that's even such an understatement to say it that way. Lord, I, <laughs> forgive me <laughs> because it's not enough. 
he is, his mercy has no end, all right? You're gonna, but, but you are going to grow because that's what you're supposed to do. We don't always stay on the milk. We go to the solid food. If you're going to lay hands on the sick and they recover, you're going to see sickness. If you're going to pray people through some kind of disaster, then you're going to see disaster, all right? You're not necessarily going to experience it. I'm not telling you you are. You can avoid it. God said you can. That's why I'm telling you you can avoid it because his word says you can. Nothing bad will happen to you. No disaster will come to you. So you can avoid it. You declare this. You, you boldly declare. I am blessed when I come and when I go. I am blessed in the city and in the country. Everything I touch shall prosper and God will protect me from the evils of this world. There's a couple of scriptures there. The beginning of Deuteronomy 28 and also the prayer of Jabez. But I'm telling you, you're still going to see it. And that's one of the first attacks. Another one of the early attacks that he often uses is words. You hear it. You hear about it. And you hear people talking about it. And before you know it, you start talking about it because it's just the natural. It's the natural world. The spirit and the flesh are always at war. We have got to crucify the flesh daily, as Paul said. We've got to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that is the only way we will be victorious. And that's the only way we will be able to lose this element of surprise that happens. And when it happens, we get taken off guard and we don't react the way we should. So Peter sees the storm. He took his eyes off of Jesus. He didn't stop believing in Jesus. People think faith, I have faith because I believe in God. I have faith because I'm a Christian. No, you had enough faith to get you saved. That doesn't mean you have faith in other issues. You have it. It's in there because God says he's given to you the measure of faith, but you're not exercising it. That's a whole different thing. You can be strong in faith in one area and weak in faith in another, which, by the way, is another confirmation. I just want to point this out because you say to me, people say to me, well, you know, <laughs> look, if you can't trust God, see, I don't know what it is. People read these healing promises and these prosperity promises, but they don't want to believe them. I don't know if they think it's arrogant. Well, we'll talk about that in another message, but uh, I think sometimes they do, and I think sometimes they're afraid because they've seen bad things happen, and what they'll do then is they'll say, well, that's just not right. You know, God said it, but sometimes, no, then, then how can you believe anything in God's word, really? How can you believe anything? How can you believe God will save you if you confess your sins? Because he did say that, but if things don't always work out for us, then how do you really, how, how do you know you can believe that? See, it's all messed up until you start looking at it through divine revelation, assisted by, led actually by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now, you can have strong faith in a certain area, and you can be weak in faith in other areas. And if you think Satan is going to waste his time trying to mess with you on the strong areas, <laughs> think again, my friend, because Satan is terrified of you. He's also jealous of you. And the moment you get a grasp of who you are in Christ, and you actually use the authority to put Satan in his place, he is under your feet. You don't even have to fight him. The Bible doesn't even tell us to do that. Yeah, it's a battle we're in, but it is not, you don't have to fight with the devil. You don't have to be scared of it. You can stomp on him and that's it. That's the end. It's as simple as that. Resist the devil and he must flee. Not maybe sometimes. He must flee. He's terrified of you. So he's not going to waste his time on an area where you have strong faith because he knows if he does, the moment he comes against you or attempts to come against you, you will put him in his place so fast that he will run packing with his tail between his legs. He is not going to waste his time on that stuff. He's going to waste, he's going to use his time 
on areas where he can actually gain an entrance. And that's a weak area. And he gains it through your mind, through your words, and through, well, yeah, through your thoughts, your minds, your thoughts in your mind, the words that you speak, and any areas of unbelief or, or weakness in faith. He gains the foothold there. There's no question that Peter believed in Jesus and knew who he was. There's no question about whether Peter loved the Lord. There isn't any question about whether Peter believed Jesus could save him or could have him walk on water. I want you to understand that point too. Because we, we, we think we have enough faith when we say, I know God can heal me. No, 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 no. You don't understand that God has already healed you. There is a difference. I'm not talking about a belief system of, well, yeah, God is God. He can do whatever he wants. He can heal me. God can protect me from the storm. Peter knew God could protect him from the storm. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the storm got in the way. The storm became the focus. Jesus told him, walk on the water. So he's going to walk on the water. He can walk on the water because Jesus told him he can. Now, all of a sudden, he sees the gust of wind come up. He looks around, and I believe he thinks to himself, what in the world am I doing? Why? Because people don't walk on the water. You see, the thing that he asked Peter to do was impossible. The thing that he asked Peter to do was impossible. Don't try it in the ocean. You want to try it, try it in your swimming pool. And I hope you know how to swim. <laughs> or at least stand up. Because what he's asking him to do is impossible, except that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Philippians 4, and also because nothing is impossible with God. For man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. But Peter suddenly looked at the circumstances and the storm around him and realized, I don't think I should be doing this. This storm is really big. He didn't suddenly doubt that God could save him. He didn't suddenly doubt that God could have a person walk on the water. And he certainly didn't doubt who Jesus was. But he didn't have to. His focus changed. His focus changed. And now he starts sinking. And of course, Jesus rescues him. Praise God. Glory to God. The story ends well. But it's also a dire warning. The way that Satan will attempt to destroy you is by causing you to let down your guard. You know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Have you ever taken a, uh, you know, have you ever, like, those little, you know, games that people do, just silly, fun little things, you know, sitting at a table, like maybe, you know, thumb wrestling or arm wrestling or that, uh, that game where you take your hands and you put them on top of the other person's hands and then you got to flip over your hands and slap the other. I think, they, I think it's called slaps. And, and I enjoy that game and it's, it's really fun and I really get into it. But, you know, one of the, the most um, common uh, slightly, you know, underhanded ways uh, that people cause you to lose at that game is to distract you, right? If they want to pull something over on you, as the expression goes, they'll, hey, look, you know, and they'll, they'll talk about something that's, that's dear to you, something that's important to you, you know? If you're a person who 
really, really likes, um, you know, cake, they might say, oh, look at that big chocolate cake. How did that get in here? You turn around, there is no chocolate cake, but you've already lost the game. Or if a person is really, really uh, tidy and enjoys cleaning up and doesn't like anything at all to be out of place, they look at, whoa, 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 look at that stain. Or something as simple as, hey, your shoe's untied. It isn't. It's a lie. And that's what you need to understand about the devil. See, when he says these things to you, the implied message is, if it happened to them, it can happen to me. Well, it can if you let your guard down and you, you don't believe and receive the promises of God, but rather believe the circumstances. But it doesn't have to. It does not have to. But that is the tactic of the devil, is to get you to think that. If you now see it in someone else, it becomes a lot more real in you. And that's what he's trying to do. But it's a lie because it doesn't have to happen to you. There's nothing that forces it to happen. There's nothing that says it has to happen to you. You can avoid it. No disaster will come to your home. I will bless you with food and water. Genesis, um, Exodus 23, 25, 26. And I will protect you from illness. And there's another one in Exodus too. These scriptures are everywhere. And, and they're consistent. The problem is not... God or the scripture. But he causes us to get our eyes off of Jesus. Causes us to focus on the storm. Focus on the circumstances. Focus on what's around us. And it's a lie. But it's enough to distract us if we're not careful. If we don't take it captive. Now we can turn things around. And I'm not suggesting to you that the moment it happens the first time that now you're definitely going to suffer that thing which you're desperately not wanting to suffer because that the, the devil will use that too it make you fear oh i did it once now i'm doomed no it doesn't it's not that way okay but it is the beginning and and if you don't take it captive and if you don't turn it around and repent and immediately get it straightened out by immersing yourselves obs uh, obsessively with the word of god then you could experience that thing after some time you can turn that around, praise God, in Jesus' name. But that's the first step of it. He gets your mind off of what really matters, and you start believing what you see instead of what he said. Lean not on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I have brought all this up because, well, I brought all this up because God wanted me to. And that's where we went tonight because that's what God wanted. And I know this has blessed somebody. The original point was that all the authority has been given back to us. Jesus reclaimed it. The problem is the devil's a thief. He's been destroyed. He's been defeated already. His outcome is guaranteed. There's no turning back now. But he's going to try to take everybody down with him that he possibly can on the way. The scriptures say that he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, which means he doesn't get to devour everybody. 
But in John 10, 10, it tells us the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Of course, the next part is the great awesome news that Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's life that is full and overflowing. Life to the fullest, praise God. But I'm telling you, he's a, Satan is a thief. He doesn't come by invitation. He's not going to knock at the door. Study to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved. A workman. See, we've got to spend time in his word. Meditate in it. Meditate on it. That means spending time in his word. That means praying that God will make it real to you. Reveal it to you. That means that this will actually mean something to you. It's not just a story. It is living. It is alive. And it contains everything you need. For he's given to you everything you need. The authority which was originally ours that God gave to us was stolen, but yet willingly given. You see, the devil took it, but Adam and Eve willingly handed it over. That is why the world looks the way that it does. But, praise God, Jesus took it back, defeated the devil, destroyed the works of the devil, and then has given to us that authority. Now, there's a lot more that he's given to us. And in the future weeks, we're going to talk about sonship. We're going to talk about adoption, reconciliation, redemption, all these things. But, I, you know, I brought this up. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. I want you to understand that. What does the curse of the law look like? Yeah, looks like pretty much everything you see in the world around you, quite honestly. Coronavirus. All these other evil things. That's the fallen world. That's what it looks like. But there's more to that story. If you look at the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 28, you see the blessings. And in, in um, Galatians 3.13, he says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is anyone who hangs upon a tree. So in other words, Christ has rescued us from the curses in the law. Because when he was on that cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. It even says it that way in New Century, maybe, or New Living. New Century, I think. But verse 14 is the good news, that the blessing of Abraham. Now, the blessings of Abraham are all the blessings under the law. The blessings of Abraham are that he'll never, ever leave, that it's an everlasting covenant, that we will prosper, that we will be blessed all throughout time. That covenant, you read about the covenant sometimes in Genesis, uh, well... Yeah, Genesis 17, maybe some other places. I'll get back to you. But um, you read about the covenant with Abraham. That covenant is good for today, but it's different. We live in a new covenant. Praise God. We live under a new covenant, and we do it by grace, through faith, not by works. We cannot be made righteous on our own, only through him. Praise God. But Nevertheless, the blessings of Abraham might come upon all of us. It says the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you look at verse 29 of that chapter, and if we are Christ's, here's where it's all tied together, if we are Christ's, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
If you're going through something, I want you to literally take whatever that thing is and fill it in the blank. You got cancer in your body. You say, Christ has redeemed me from cancer. See, because that's that cancer, that's, a, that's under the curse. That's not a blessing. You going through poverty, you can't make ends meet. As I heard one time, too much month at the end of the money. You, you start saying, Christ has redeemed me from poverty. And there are other scriptures you can claim too for all of these things. And we're going to talk about what those are in the coming weeks because in the next episode, we're going to talk about everything that we have in Christ and then we're going to talk about who we are in Christ or we may reverse that, whatever God leads. There's lots of scriptures you can, you can really get hold of and claim and, and meditate on and receive. But just start with that. Just start with that because it's a simple truth. Galatians 3.13 is where it's at. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? Second half of Deuteronomy 28. Everything that's, if you don't do what you're supposed to do. Christ has redeemed me from high blood pressure. Christ has redeemed me from diabetes. Christ has redeemed our family from walking away from the Lord. Christ has redeemed me from a drug addiction. Christ has redeemed me from addiction to pornography. Whatever it may be, you have been delivered. You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness and you are victorious and it is finished. My friends, I, 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 I just really want to thank you for tuning in and I hope that this has meant something to you today. And Father, Lord God, thank you, Jesus. God, I just, I love you and I worship you, God. I praise you. I pray you'd make this so real to everyone who hears it, God, that they would know it to be true, that they would see it in your word and that you would supplement your written word with your spoken word in their lives as you always do. Speak to them in ways that they can understand as you always do. Lord, as their hearts are open and they, they, they receive it and they listen to you, God, I know you'll share with them such awesome truths in ways even deeper than what they've heard here, God. And I thank you because this has been a blessing to me, Lord, and I praise you and I worship you. And I, I pray once again, as I did at the beginning today, a special blessing on everybody's Voice lives who, who are hearing this. Lord, I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Now give God praise. We're going to see you back here next time, my friends, on the vessel. God bless you, everybody. Pause button. For more information, visit our website at thevessel.blog. Send us an iMessage or an email to mspacelife at icloud.com.